to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We need to have choir practice right after church this afternoon. So choir, please remember that. Make yourself available for that, okay? And then don't forget those invitations for our Christmas program, which is next Sunday. If you weren't here this morning when I mentioned it, next Sunday at 1.30 is our Christmas program, and there are invitations on the back table. Please take a couple and invite somebody to come with you next week, and then pray about that this week, okay? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Living the Christian life um, is not easy. It is... Certainly not something we can do in the flesh at all. And somebody might ask the question, why is the Christian life not easy? How can that be if we have God's own Spirit within us, and God's Spirit to guide us, and God's Spirit to empower us? How can it be so difficult then to do right, to consistently do what the Lord wants us to do, to have the right attitudes, the right spirits, all the above. Well, there are typically two reasons why living the Christian life is difficult. And that is the world and worldliness, but then secondly, our flesh. Our flesh will get in the way. And one of those is outward, that's the world and worldliness, and the other is within, something inside of us. And when it comes to the world... Or worldliness, Christians have often thought that worldliness only is confined to terms like behavior or appearance. Like you have a worldly behavior or you have a worldly appearance about you, you know, the things that you do uh, or the things that you put on, etc. But, but worldliness goes a lot deeper than some bad habits or worldly behavior. Worldliness is an orientation. It's a way of thinking. It's an attitude of the heart and mind. Worldliness is allowing the world's way of thinking to influence my way of thinking. Human wisdom versus godly wisdom. Worldliness is accepting the world's measuring sticks for my attitudes, for my standards, for my goals, rather than God's word as the measuring stick. And that's a key component. We can justify a lot of things about our attitudes and about our spirits because we're comparing it with a standard of the world. We can justify a lot of things, but when it's, in, in, when it's aligned with or when it's compared to thus saith the Lord or God's word, now all of a sudden we have to face facts. All of a sudden we have to come face to face with reality uh, of God's standard and what we really look like uh, in, in God's eyes. And that's where the rub is. That's where the hard part is. 
when it comes to... So that's, that's, that's a challenge when it comes to living the Christian life. When it comes to the flesh, the second great obstacle that Christians face, that flesh is our old sinful nature. The world and the flesh, those two are closely related. In fact, the flesh produces the bridge that allows the world to come in and influence my life. The world and the flesh, they will complement each other. And many times, you cannot tell them apart. They are both spiritual enemies of the child of God. They are both spiritual enemies that are used of Satan to defeat the saints of God and to defeat churches. Both of those have to be fought with spiritual weapons, not carnal weapons. The spiritual weapons are the Word of God and the Spirit of God, not therapies and other things. They're spiritual in nature. They have to be fought with spiritual weapons. And the Corinthian believers, remember this is the writing of the Apostle Paul to a church, and it's the the believers in Corinth. They seemed to have a hard struggle against these two enemies, the flesh and the world. They seemed to be um, ones that were, were often overcome by either the flesh or the world. And Paul states that you're carnal in your, in your life. They wouldn't break from the world. They wouldn't break from the flesh. The result was that they had divisions among them. And the result was that they were carnally minded or worldly minded. If we were to go back and, and trace this from chapter 1 in verse 18 all the way through the end of chapter 2, Paul points out that the church was divided because of worldly influences. They continued on in human wisdom. They wouldn't break from human wisdom. And the result was this carnality right here. When you get into chapter 3, Paul shows them that you are not only divided from external influences outside, but you're also divided among you because of your own flesh. They continued to yield to their old sinful nature, which was called carnality. And Paul talks about three different kinds of men. In chapter 2 and chapter 3, he talks about the natural man. Chapter 2, verse 14, "...the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God." For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. That's the unsaved person who doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. But then he talks about the spiritual man. Verse 15, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. If you don't understand what that means, the spiritual man judgeth all things. He understands things because of the Spirit of God. Yet he himself is judged or understood of no man. In other words, the spiritual man understands the spiritual because of the Spirit of God, and he's a mystery to the world and other people. How people can't figure him out. Like, what's up with that? Why? Why? And, it, and it, you could uh, apply it in situations where there's trouble and trial, and, and there's a joyful spirit about him. People are like, I don't get you. How can you be so joyful in the middle of all of this? He talks about the, the natural man, the unsaved man, the spiritual man. But then, and then he goes on in chapter 3 and he talks about the carnal man. And so today, I want us to talk about the carnal man. And I want us to look at this passage of Scripture. And I want you to ask yourself the question, the question today, 
what kind of man am I? Let's pray and then, or lady, I'll throw that out there too. Let's pray and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us in this passage today and Lord, that you would instruct us from your word as well in Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at the carnal man. Let's read these verses again here because the kind of person that Paul is talking about here is a person who lives his life according to his flesh. He lives a, quote, sensual life. Basically what that means, he lives a life that reacts according to his feelings. And that's basically the extent of who he is or she is as a person. Living life controlled by their feelings. And so let's read these verses again. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual... So he can't speak unto you as a spiritual man, but as unto a carnal man, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto were ye not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? The carnal man that Paul is talking about is a believer. A carnal man is a saved man. He has two natures, just like the spiritual man does. He's got the new nature in Christ. He's got his old nature, the flesh. But the carnal man is the one who is dominated by his old nature, not one who is yielded to the Spirit of God and controlled by the Spirit of God. In fact, the carnal man quenches the influence of the Spirit of God in his life. Many times, carnal believers can't even be uh, compared or can't even be told a, a, a difference between a lost person, too. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes carnal believers look just like lost people. And you can't tell the difference sometimes. I think an example of that is Lot. You remember Lot in Genesis. If you were to see Lot in Genesis chapter 13 and Genesis chapter 19 you would have concluded that Lot was a lost man. But when you go over to 2 Peter chapter 2 and you read in verse 7, you find out that, that, Peter, or that, that Lot was actually a saved man. He was a righteous man, but he was carnal. And so what I'm saying is, is the carnal man is a believer, but he's one who is controlled by his flesh. And this section of Scripture here tells us all about the carnal man, and what he looks like. And let me just make a side note here. Carnality in the lives of God's children is a major reason why churches have a lack of power among them. Yeah. You say, well, why isn't anything happening in the church? Does God answer prayer anymore? Well, it could just be that the reason there's a lack of power is because it's a church full of people who are carnal. Save people but they're controlled by their flesh. And so let's look at this passage of Scripture a little more closely because it tells us all about the carnal man and what he looks like. First of all, number one, look at the maturity of the carnal believer in verse 1. The maturity of the carnal believer. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. Here's the maturity of the carnal believer. Paul states that he couldn't speak to them as spiritual people. 
like he wanted to, but he had to speak into them as carnal people or fleshly people, even as babies, babes in Christ. And Paul says that the carnal man, the carnal Christian, is a baby. He started out okay. He started out on the right way. He's born again by the Spirit of God. Yes, praise the Lord for that, but he hasn't progressed on in his Christian life. Now, babies are cute, right? What's wrong with being a baby? Babies are cute. Babies are adorable. Babies are precious. But babies are designed to grow up and become adults. A 20, 25, 30-year-old who still has to be taking care of mama is not cute and never will be cute. But you know what? The same is true in the spiritual realm. It's fitting and normal to start out as a baby, but it's tragic to remain one. The Corinthian believers, they were not babies because they were newly saved. The reason that they were babies is because they were inexcusably immature in the Lord. They were babies because they refused to give up their worldly ways and their fleshly desires. And the application is this. The carnal believer suffers from stunted development in their life. In other words, they haven't grown up as they should, but it's typically because of their own choosing, not because of external influence. I've heard it said before of of common churches, well, you know, I'm just not being fed in the church. I'm just not being fed by the pastor. Like it's the pastor's fault. And maybe sometimes there's there's some truth to that. But generally speaking, whenever the Word of God is preached and whenever the Word of God is presented, this is the spiritual food. And if somebody is not growing in the Lord, it's not because of somebody else. It's because of their own choosing. They were babies because they refused to give up their worldly ways and their fleshly desires. And by the way, let me ask you this. Have you ever seen somebody who has been saved for 20 years? And you've seen somebody who's been saved in effect for 20 minutes? (laughs) And it seems like the new believer is more spiritually minded than the one who's been saved for 20 years. Have you ever seen that? And noticed that? How long you've been saved has nothing to do with your level of maturity. And I've seen it many times, believers who've been saved a very short time who grow substantially in the Lord... But by the same token, I've seen others who've been saved for lengthy periods of time who haven't even gotten out of the nursery, as it were, in the spiritual life. And you know why? How do you know that? Because they're the ones who are still crying, still griping, still whining, still complaining. That's kind of a mark of immaturity, isn't it? Kind of a mark of a baby, of a a child, The tragedy is that God didn't save us to stay babies. Amen? He saved us to grow into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what Ephesians chapter 4 talks about. 
that in the church there are pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, till we all come in the unity of the faith, uh, and, and until we all come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that ye henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3. Hold your place here and look in 2 Peter chapter 3. In verse 18, Peter's admonition is grow, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. That knowledge that Peter's talking about, growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that's way more than just head knowledge or factual things about Jesus Christ. That's experience, experiential knowledge. I know it's true because the life of Christ is being produced in me. And so we find the maturity of these believers is that they were babies in Christ. But then secondly, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and let's look at the marks of a carnal believer. The maturity of a carnal believer, but look at the marks of a carnal believer. Look in verse 2. Paul says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. Here Paul says, I haven't been able to give you meat up to this point. Uh, You've only been able to handle milk and you're still not able to handle meat. You're still in a place where you need milk. And one of the marks of a carnal believer is that they're still on milk spiritually. The carnal believer is still on milk spiritually. And milk is fine for babies. Uh, 1 Peter, 2 Peter 2, 2. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby like newborn babes. It's fine for babies. But as we mature in the Lord, we're supposed to move beyond the milk of the word into the meatier places of the word. Now, I want, to go, I want you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 5. Because when we're talking about the meatier places of the word, we're not necessarily talking about things that are harder to understand. It can mean that, but that is not its only meaning. Hebrews chapter 5, and I want you to look in verse 11. Hebrews 5.11, Of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, what does the writer of Hebrews say concerning milk and concerning meat in regarding the word of God? Anyone who uses milk is unskillful in the word, correct? But meat or strong meat is is for those who are of full age. And then notice what he says. What does he say there? Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Here is the very reason some people are not growing in the Lord. 
They don't want to go any deeper in the things of God because it's going to require change. They're not using the Word of God. You try to lead somebody deeper in the Word and they get spiritual indigestion. Why? Because they don't, want, they don't want their fleshly habits and they don't want their sin exposed. They don't want to be threatened with where they're at uh, in, their, in their life right now. So they don't want, they don't want to hear the, the stronger things of God. It doesn't necessarily refer to the harder things to understand, but things more difficult to digest. In other words, things more difficult to be obeyed. Obey the Word of God. You preach truths of the Word that call for commitment to Christ, that call for change of life, that call for separation from this world. I don't want to hear that. More commitment to Christ? Oh, I want to live the way that I want to live. I want to do what I want to do. I don't like to hear those things. That's why... They're still babies in the Lord, not using the Word. Look at verse 3 of our text. They're unskillful in the Word. They're not using it, not applying it in their life, and they remain babies, spiritually speaking. Verse 3, he says, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Here's another mark of the carnal believer. Not only is he still on milk, but there's envy and strife in their hearts among them. The word envy talks about means jealousy. It refers to jealousy. Strife refers to quarreling. So you've got jealousy and quarreling going on in life. That sounds like a baby or a child, doesn't it? Babies are by nature selfish creatures. They don't care for anything except for themselves, and maybe they don't understand. I'm not going to, you know, speak ill of babies in that way. But that's the nature of it. They're naturally selfish. They don't care how tired mom and dad are in the middle of the night. You need to meet my needs. You need to meet it now. That's how babies are. As long as they are the center of attention, as long as their needs are being met, they're going to be fine. But when something is wrong in their life, they cry, they whine, they complain until they get what they need. Well, the same is true in the life of a carnal believer. There's a lot of whining and crying and complaining going on in the life of a carnal believer. Self-centeredness is the heart of fleshly behavior. Jealousy and strife are often found in immature saints. Jealousy is the attitude. Strife is the corresponding action that goes with it. One is the inner emotional condition. The other one is the outward expression of selfishness. And because the focus is only on them, it doesn't matter what's best for the church. It doesn't matter what's best for someone else. The only thing that matters is how I'm affected personally. Have we all had our moments? Yes. We've all had our moments. Have we all acted like babies? Yes. We all act like babies sometimes. But the truth is, 
that is what makes up the carnal believer. That is their character, their nature. And if you find yourself easily offended at someone for what they said or what they did, if you think that you're always getting picked on by somebody else or others, if you think that you're right when everyone else is wrong, etc., etc., mark it down. There's some growing that needs to happen in the life. Complaining, whining, even gossiping, those are common symptoms of immature believers. And then verse 3, he talks about divisions, not only envying and strife, but he talks about divisions. Another trait of the carnal believer is that they bring division with them wherever they go. The carnal believer carries a divisive spirit about him, easily offended, always responding by being offensive. And as a result, because of the carnality, the carnal believer basically kills everything that he touches. Look at Romans chapter 8. Just a couple pages back here. Romans chapter 8. And verse 6. Paul says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. What a powerful statement. And to be carnally minded is death. You know what? A carnal believer will kill a Sunday school class, kill a choir, a singing group, a testimony service, a ministry. Basically everything that the flesh touches is going to die. And sometimes it's just better to get it out. It's just better to get it out. I'm thankful that it's the Lord's church and He'll take care of it. Amen? Division occurs when there is self-centeredness, jealousy, strife, divisions. Listen, those are things that are far from petty things in the eyes of God. Why? Well, because strife that causes division inside of a church, a church is Christ's body, a church is Christ's bride, that for which He gave His own blood, I don't think it's a light thing with the Lord. So the question is, who are you this afternoon? What kind of a man are you? Are you saved? Or are you still the natural man, the unsaved man? Are you spiritually minded, controlled by the Spirit of God? Or are you carnal? Well, we all are carnal from time to time. Let's ask the Lord to help us, amen, to be submitted to His Spirit, to be spiritually minded. Even the Apostle Paul himself stated the fact that at times he was carnal. In Romans chapter 7, he said, The things I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. The things that I do want to do, those are the things that I don't want to do. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He said, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you can see that there is some carnality in the life, let God begin to mature you even now. Confess it. Listen, I have to do it too. 
I have to do too, because there are times when I act like a big baby. And I need to take it back to the Lord and let God begin to mature me again. We need to learn to walk in the Spirit, amen, and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because for to be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death. What kind of a man are you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you'd encourage and challenge just after these few thoughts and few moments this afternoon. And I pray, Lord, that they would be impactful in the life and we would be sober-minded about the question. Sober-minded that about the question that the Scriptures present to us. As Paul presented three kinds of people, the natural man, the unsaved man, the spiritual man who is controlled by the Spirit of God in his life that brings life and peace, or the carnal man, the one that's filled with immaturity, the one that neglects the Word of God and the use of it in their life, the one that's controlled by his passions or controlled by his feelings, the one that has the the jealousy, the envy, the strife, the divisions, the, the spirit. Lord, I pray that we would be sober in our assessment of our lives, and Lord, that we would compare it to the Word of God. And Lord, help us, Lord, to grow, to grow up in Jesus Christ, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, that His life would be lived out in and through us. Lord, that we might have Your power upon us as we seek to serve You. Lord, that there might be a sweet spirit among God's people in a unified body with the common cause and common goal in serving the Lord. I pray, Lord, that you just take the truth of your word today and make application as you see fit. In Jesus' name.